Blog Talk Radio. The following broadcast is brought to you by the iGolf Sports Network. Golf Talk Live is sponsored by the iGolf Sports Network and Golf Tips Magazine. Here's Andrew to tell you more about our sponsors. iGolf Sports is a live stream broadcast and media production company providing quality programming designed to attract the golfing enthusiast. And Golf Tips, the game's most in-depth instruction magazine, including reviews on the latest equipment, tips from top teaching professionals, all designed to help you improve from tee to green. Welcome to Golf Talk Live with your host, Ted Odorico. Join Ted each week as he speaks with some of the best in golf. Sit back, relax, and listen to tonight's show. Let's join our host, Ted Odorico, as he introduces tonight's special guest. All right, good evening, everybody, and once again, welcome to Golf Talk Live. I am your host, Ted Odorico, and uh, always excited uh, to do these shows. I get an opportunity to... um, have some great guests and uh, talk about something that obviously uh, I'm very passionate about. And obviously my guests are very passionate about, and that is the the game itself. And tonight uh, I've got a very special guest. I'm going to introduce her in just a moment. Uh, She was actually on uh, the Tuesday show, the women of golf show with my good friend and co-host LPGA professional, Cindy Miller. So you kind of got your, uh, your whistles wet, if you will, a little bit about what she does. Obviously, most of you in the golf business know who she is, and, and I'll tell you in just a moment. Um, but tonight, we're going to get into a little bit more in-depth uh, about what she does and uh, what she's passionate about in golf. But let me just a, a couple of quick announcements. Um, first and foremost, I uh, want to send a heartfelt um, and sincere uh, speedy recovery to Tiger Woods. Um, obviously, we've all been very disheartened with the news of him uh, being in an accident earlier this week. And uh, obviously, he's now recovering from surgery. And uh, who knows what the future is going to hold as far as uh, his ability to play. Um, but right now, obviously, we want to wish him a speedy recovery and obviously uh, all of our best to his family as well. Um, on a side note, uh, this is going to be the last uh, sort of prelude, if you will, to the full regular season of Golf Talk Live beginning next week, which is March the 4th. Hard to believe we're going to be in March. Uh, We'll be going to the full schedule, the full two-hour schedule, beginning with, of course, uh, welcoming back uh, our very first Coach's Corner panel uh, of the 2021 season. So they'll be starting things off at 6 6 p.m. Central uh, or 7 uh, Eastern for those of you on the East Coast. And uh, then, obviously, on the second half, I will have my featured uh, guest as I'm doing uh, here tonight. So uh, hope you'll tune in. Uh, it's going to be a great show. I'm really, really excited to get the panel on next week to have some great discussions, uh, as we always do. And then we'll continue on with our full season. All right. As I mentioned, uh, my very special guest this evening uh, joined Cindy and I earlier this week on Tuesday on the Women of Golf. And, of course, I'm talking about uh, Linda Harto. She is a uh, world-renowned golf landscape artist. Uh, Her work has been uh, displayed in the permanent collections of such legendary clubs as Augusta National, Laurel Valley, Pinehurst, and Pine Valley, uh, in the personal collections of such notables as Jack Nicklaus, Ray Floyd, and Reese Jones. And uh, she is also, uh, in 2017, was an inductee into the Low Country Golf Hall of Fame and has been honored by the Golf Digest Lifetime Achievement Award. So please welcome uh, to Golf Talk Live my very special guest this evening, Linda Harto. Good evening, Linda. Welcome. Well, good evening to you, and thank you for that wonderful introduction. <laughs> well, I, I wanted to save. I know we were here for an hour, but I wanted to save. I could have I could have read out more, but you've got so many great accolades. I was afraid I'd use up too much of our time. We've got a lot to get to tonight, <laughs> but I'll sneak some I'll sneak some of it in as we go along. Um, so let me just let me just do this um, so we can mm-hmm. kind of explain to. The, the listeners a little bit about your background of how you got to do what you're you're doing now what prompted you to sort of wake up one day and say you know what this is something that I really want to do I, I enjoy art I enjoy uh, painting mm-hmm. and I really love golf so I'm going to kind of do that too so sort of just walk us through a little bit what what your mindset was back when you first started out well it wasn't really a matter of my deciding that I really loved golf paint golf it was more a matter of 
Augusta National asking me to paint the golf course. <laughs> and uh, that got me interested right away, obviously. Though I had been around golf all my life. My father was an avid golfer. But uh, it was kind of a side thing, you know, for me. But But when Augusta invited me to paint the 13th hole, it certainly opened up a whole new avenue for me to consider. And from there, obviously, many other doors uh, opened up, yeah. as, as you talked about on Tuesday. And we'll we'll talk mm-hmm. about a little bit of that as well. Um, okay. But w- one thing I, I do want to get you to, to sort of, um, I guess, repeat a little bit is something I found really, really interesting. Because as, mm-hmm. as we talked about on Tuesday, one of the things that most people, when they think of, you know, painting or, or you know, artists and that, it's, well, we just sort of put the canvas down and we, we go to it. But there's a lot more involved, at least from your perspective. So kind of walk us through a little bit of when you receive um, sort of an invite to do something like that from mm-hmm. Augusta National. What's the, what's the process that you go through before the first uh, paintbrush even hits the canvas? Well, it's, it, it's quite long before I actually start painting. But first of all, it, it's to uh, go to the course and kind of just get the feeling of what that course is about. Um, what what's a characteristic? Uh, of course, some some courses have obviously a very famous hole, so it's real easy. But other courses, you have to sort of find that hole that kind of gives you a sense of where you are or the character of that particular course, and and that could take a while sometimes to find that. And then I have to find the lighting I like. The lighting is one of the most important elements in the painting, and I have to find the lighting that really shows that particular hole off or that scene, and that may take quite a bit of time, too. <laughs> I usually look at <laughs> look at the hole at dawn and dusk, you know, late afternoon, sometimes even in the middle of the day, depending on the elevations. It it just all depends. You kind of have to just live with the course for a while. So I may spend up to a week, or I may go back again and again and again. I, I live, fortunately, I live fairly close to Augusta, so it's easy for me to run up there and, you know, see it. But uh, other courses, I try to calculate what the best time of year to go, you know, that shows off the course the best. And sometimes it isn't good, and I'll come back another time. Now, I know you mentioned the other day that mm-hmm. obviously uh, you take a number of different photographs from different angles mm-hmm. and things like that to help um, you know, create that visualization. And then you right. sort of piece it together. You, in your, your mind, you kind of say, okay, I, I like right. this angle here, and I think this is going to capture. Um, and as you said, it can take quite a while sometimes uh, yeah. to get that vision. When, I have once to study all those eventually. all those pictures for quite a long time before I can kind of piece together all the different elements that I want to express in that painting. You know, like if I were taking pictures of it from uh, lighting to see how the green is lit at different times, you know, it can change. So I'll pick the best time where it looks the best and try to make sure the particular area that I want to show is going to have the best lighting. And that's, you know, kind of tricky. <laughs> but it, you know, within reason within a fairly short period of time, you can you can get a lot of difference on how the light is hitting the fairway or the green or whatever it is. But the most important thing I think is for I make it so that you can see that hole, you can see how to play it. You can see all the strategic parts of it and really visualize it. Yeah, you you, uh, you do such a, a wonderful job. I mean, we've visited your site uh, a number of times in preparation mm-hmm. for the show and actually even during the show on Tuesday, and that's uh, mm-hmm. uh, Harto, and it's spelled H-A-R-T-O-U-G-H dot com. 
Um, please wait until after the end of uh, this broadcast for, for you to go there because I want you to listen to uh, everything from Linda first. But w- I strongly encourage you to go. Uh, literally, the uh, work that she has put together is simply breathtaking. It's just amazing the detail. I mean, I've I've never seen. I've seen photographs that don't do what you've done uh, justice. I mean, it's just amazing the detail that you're able to get. And I think that's why, obviously, so many people are in awe of what you do. And I also mm-hmm. mentioned a few names. You know, Jack Nicholas comes to mind. Uh, assuming that there's no issues in sharing uh, any information, what were some of the things that he commissioned you to do? And obviously, if you can't be specific, that's fine. We get it. But mm-hmm. um, was it some specific holes that he had you do, or were there some other things that he wanted you yeah. uh, to do for well, his collection? It was actually part of uh, uh ABC TV special that they uh, had with Jack Nicholas to the most dramatic holes in golf. And these were his picks, and uh, you know, the, his favorite holes and the most significant ones in his career. And uh, so I did them, and, you know, he he purchased all of them, so that was good. <laughs> <laughs> but they were also, we did a second follow-up show, and that included a few more, like a couple from Muirfield and Wingfoot and places mm-hmm. like that, but these these were all significant holes in his career, basically. The eleventh at Augusta, you know, places like mm-hmm. that. So. Now you also did some work for Reese Jones. Uh, was it a similar yeah. mm-hmm. uh, scenario there, where he had some favorite holes that he just wanted to mm-hmm. capture? Uh, what was yeah. what was the story behind that? Uh, well, he uh, this was in the. Well, let's see, early 90s, I guess, or late 80s, he had designed a course actually near me on um, Defusky Island, and it, it won a lot of mm-hmm. awards. So I did one of that for him, and then also he he was the U.S. Open, you know, golf course redesigner, <laughs> and he did congressional. <laughs> And he also purchased that work that I did for the U.S. Open, at con- the first one at Congressional. That was in 96, I guess. Oh, no, 97. Wow. Yeah, for the U.S. Open in 97. So, and he bought a lot of prints. <laughs> <laughs> so. yeah, well, you know, I mean... You know he's he's in the business of designing golf courses. So yeah. Obviously, he has a high uh, an eye for holes as well. And uh, well, what better way to had, capture them? Yeah, a lot of these uh, uh, were U.S. Open courses. You know that he had uh, sure. worked on. So yeah, <laughs> and his father too. As far as uh, Hazeltine, uh, his father mm-hmm. actually purchased uh, Hazeltine from me that I did in ninety. Uh, 90- Two ninety one. That was nineteen ninety one. Now, approximately, I mean, you may have an exact number, but approximately, how many paintings do you estimate that you've done? Oh gosh, I wish I had really added them all up. <laughs> but I have to say, it's well over a hundred. Uh, not all of them wow. have been in print, but uh, most of them are in, have you know are in print. Uh, yeah, I know I've done at least 26 at Augusta alone. Mm. Oh, wow. Yeah. (laughs) And, and, and the reason why I ask, because what I'd like for you to do is to put in perspective. Now, obviously, you know, each hole is going to be different. Some it's a little bit less time, some it's more, but Mm. you mentioned the other day, kind of the time frame from start to finish, and, you know, we're not talking a month or, in many cases, maybe even two months. It can be quite a bit longer from your preparation yeah. time, getting the information gathered and made. But give us a general idea of kind of the time frame and the timeline it takes for you to put, you know, just one of these paintings together. Yeah. Well, uh, I usually only do about two or three paintings a year max, and that would be, of course, the time to go to the course, to photograph it, and then uh, back in the studio, I have to kind of digest all those pictures <laughs> and figure out what I want to portray and how I want to portray it, and that takes 
sometimes quite a while because I have to visualize the painting completely done before I can even start. And that can take a while. (laughs) And then actually painting it can take a while, from three to six months, depending on how big it is. And then after that, Mm. you have the printing process, which is uh, it has to go and be digitally captured. You have to proof prints if there's additions to sign and fulfillment and merchandising. (laughs) So, yeah, one painting can be four or five months with all those different elements. So, you know, just putting things in perspective. Because I'm publisher, I'm artist. Yeah, I'm artist and publisher and merchandiser. You know, I do all of the facets of that. Yeah, so you definitely wear many hats. Um, You know, the reason why I asked and and why I wanted to get a general idea of, you know, uh, approximately how many you think you've done, uh, even Mm -hmm. with Augusta National, you said you you mentioned 26. You know, Mm -hmm. each painting on average is taking you, say, three to four months um, that's a long time just to do Augusta National, and you've done so many others. You've done the U.S. Open yeah, uh, venues US and British Open. Open venues. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you've you've done a lot. You've been doing this for a while, and um, yeah. it's no wonder that uh, you've become uh, very, very proficient. And I want to acknowledge – I mentioned it earlier, but I would like you to maybe talk about that because – and I know some people – you know, really don't care so much about accolades uh, in the sense that, you know, but I think it's it's something worth mentioning. You know, Golf Digest, as an example, recognized you with the Lifetime Achievement Award, as well as you were inducted to the Low Country Golf Hall of Fame. Yeah, that When was those quite were presented special. to you, yeah, I was going to say, let's start with that one. Let's talk with the, with the Low Country uh, Golf Hall of Fame. What went through your mind when you first heard about that, that that was going to happen, and then when it actually happened? Well, you know, it's quite an honor because I I guess golf art has always been considered sort of on the fringe of the game, you know, not really a core part of it, even though it, it does the job of, of you know, being a visual uh whatever record of these courses and and players and everything every aspect of the game but it's sort of looked on as kind of fringe so to be right. included in that where where you know the players and the golf course architects are included in these hall of fames is was you know a huge honor to me because i've always mm-hmm. kind of felt a little bit outside of the mainstream of, of golf even though that's my whole life, <laughs> but you know. <laughs> well, I I can honestly say, Linda, from from viewing. Obviously, I have not seen one in person, but just seeing the um, digital reproductions of what you've done, I would say uh, you've won the Masters. I mean, literally, you have, uh, and and the U.S. Open and the British Open, uh, mm-hmm. and and every other tournament you know imaginable. I mean. Uh, and, yeah. and I can't. And again, um, you know, I want the folks after the show to to go and take a look at your website because it's just amazing. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I've seen some some very good quality paintings before, but uh, uh, your your body of work is is quite uh, quite stunning. And, and especially as a a golf lover myself, to be able to see the the beauty that you've captured in these images is just amazing. Um, so I, uh, you're, I it's, appreciate uh, those that. are awards. Yeah, those are awards that were uh, very well earned. Um, mm-hmm. What was some of the holes? Um, I, I want to talk for a little bit uh, more about, uh, you know, the art and so forth, and then we're going to shift gears uh, after a very short break in, in just a few moments, mm-hmm. and then we're going to talk about the Academy of Golf Art, uh, which you are a founding trustee of the Academy. Um, mm-hmm. But I want to ask you just to talk a little bit about some of your your best work and what in your own opinion um obviously i know you're proud of of everything you've done but what what particular um paintings do you feel that you really really love the most what are your favorites in other words oh boy <laughs> that's, that's hard i know to they all are because, i know they're you know all the your list? favorites but 
yeah, the landscape is so different, you know, like Augusta is so different from like St. Andrews, you know, you can't even hardly compare them in one way, but I, you know, I guess I favor really the, uh, the Scottish and Irish courses because they combine the just natural wild landscape with these beautiful contours and these gorgeous greens. So <clears throat> some of those are my favorite, I think. I mean, it, I really like because... Carnoustie and, and uh, mm-hmm. gosh, the one I did, I did one for um, Royal Dornick. Oh, God, what a place. <laughs> You know, I mean, they're they're just incredible places, and the Pebble Beach, and you know, it goes on and on. Right. Do you think the more challenging, um, and I think I already know the answer, but I'm going to ask it anyways. Do you think the more challenging the course, as you just presented here? Um, is more rewarding for you, and, and that's not to take away, you know, from Augusta or any of the others. I mean, they're all beautiful courses, mm-hmm. and that. But as you said, you really appreciate the uh, some of the European style courses because of the natural mm-hmm. beauty. Do you think that you savor those, um, you know, maybe a little bit more because of partially the challenge of, of getting and capturing that imagery, uh, and also just th- that they're different. They're different than what we typically they're see so over here in the U.S. And- and fortunately, you know, it's nice to paint different kinds of landscape. If, if you had to paint one course your whole career, you know, we get old. Yeah. <laughs> but just right. seeing all the characters of all these different courses and is is real exciting to try to capture that. And some of them are more dramatic than others, obviously, but but even Pinehurst, you know, I mean, when I first looked at Pinehurst, I was like, oh, boy, you know, it was all green, <laughs> all pine trees, no water, you know. So it was a real challenge to try to uh, find something that was really exciting to do. But I that, and I really loved those those holes I painted. You just have yeah, to look. Yeah, you know. Right, those particular courses that you're referring to, um, you know, at, at a first glance seem very simplistic because there isn't a mm-hmm. lot of hazards, the same as you see in many other or big bodies of water and things like that. Right. Um, they are very, but they are in their own right very picturesque as well. And to right. be able to capture the natural look and landscape of that, um, mm-hmm. I'm sure was not easy. Um, no, you know, no, because it wasn't again. Easy. It was so much about the lighting that made the difference. Mm-hmm. Just finding that right light, and then it then it becomes exciting once once that light really shows it off. It's it's just uh, it's just interesting how how you find these scenes, you know, or you find this light that just shows that whole scene up so beautifully and makes it exciting to paint. I mean, I'm going to spend three, four months with it, so <laughs> I better love it. <laughs> now, do you – Yeah. Well, once you, you know, get the creative side of it prepared and now you're ready uh, to, to actually get down to work and, and paint the, mm-hmm. the, the various portraits, is it instant? I mean, is it – you know, I've got everything together – do you jump right on it, you know, kind of the next day, or do you take a couple of days to kind of absorb everything in a little bit more, or do you know I better get on it right now while I've still got the, the imagery in my mind? What, what's the no, process there? It, it takes quite a while to uh, put all those pieces together in my head and figure out what it's going to look like. <laughs> I have to do that before I start. And once I start, right. I, I already know where everything is going, and then it's just a matter of doing it. Which sounds simplistic. What's the hardest part? <laughs> what's the what's the hard? No, I think that's that's very well put. What's the hardest part? Do you think? I mean, obviously, you said capturing the lighting and getting, uh, you know, things just right. But is mm-hmm. it is it the backgrounds? Is it the you know the sky? Um, you know, I mean, painting the flag and 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 that sort of thing seems. I mean, I'm not a certainly an expert painter, but I would think that that would be a little bit easier to capture that and even the green. Um, well, the hardest the, part the is the present- middle third. Yeah. <laughs> I 
know that doesn't make sense, but the middle third is where all the time is. The sky goes fairly quickly, and then the middle third is where all the detail mostly occurs. And I work from, uh, well, kind of from left to right, basically, just going through it. it. If you look on the website, there is some paintings in progress where you can see it from start to finish. And I don't really paint like you're supposed to either. So <laughs> I I paint what's called a la prima, meaning the paint is wet totally. And because it's so detailed, I'll pick one area at a time and almost complete that one area before I move to the next. So it's it's really kind of interesting. And it, I start with the sky, obviously, the furthest thing away and work in the tree lines, and whatever's in that sky goes in while it's wet, and then I'll work sections, um, you know, according to how many hours I have or how long it takes for the paint to dry, which is an issue. (laughs) I don't like the paint to dry, but it does. (laughs) So I have to calculate, you know, how much I can get done while that paint stays wet. Well, that's what I was just about to say, because I I remember you mentioned something the other day that you like to finish an area, as you said, while the paint is still Mm -hmm. wet, because once it's dry, then you you run into some issues and things like that, uh, or it becomes more difficult, I guess, or challenging. Um, That's very interesting. And, and, you know, the reason why I I wanted to, you know, give you an opportunity to talk about in in more Mm -hmm. detail than just, you know, hey, I, I do these, you know, beautiful paintings and so on and so forth is because I want people to really appreciate the work that goes into it. It's not just having, mm-hmm. you know, the the talent of, of the painting itself, but it's actually the sort of the mental process that leads up to, you know, getting the paint on the canvas, so to speak. Um, mm-hmm. One more thing I want to do before we, we take a, a short break, and that is, you know, you've mentioned about, uh, you know, then getting it into a digital format for print. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a gentleman that you've been working with for, for a little while. Maybe you can talk about that relationship uh, in, a, in a you know brief moment uh, about the process, what happens there, and uh, how he's sure. been able to help you really capture that into print. Yes. Okay. Do you want me to start right now? or? Sure. Not? Okay. Yeah. Well, yep. I... <laughs> I started doing prints in 1984 with Augusta, and so I've seen every form of printing, I think, out there as far as commercial printing or fine art printing, and I went to several different printers uh, after finding that the Augusta prints were really, the first ones I did were kind of not really great quality, shall we say. And I wanted to have a fine art print all the way through. (laughs) So I upgraded to some fine art presses. And after working through three different ones, I finally ended up with Lithochrome Company in Columbus, Georgia. And that's where I met my uh, present technical guy, uh, Tracy. And he... Mm -hmm. He, uh, as well as I, had been through all the different forms of printing out there. So we had this background together, and we moved into the digital world together. And he's just <laughs> really good. I mean, he I have never found anybody that can do a digital capture like him because my paintings have a lot of texture. I use a lot of paint. Mm-hmm. And he knows just how to light it so that you see the texture, but the uh, what they call specular highlights, where the um, light will make a glare like on the texture part, uh, he knows how right. to light it so that isn't a distraction because that can just ruin the whole image, really. And... Uh, so it's been a really great partnership all these years, you know, since 94. I've been working with him since 1994. So, mm. yeah. Well, and, I, you know, you know, as I said the other day, um, you know, I think when you find um, somebody that complements what it is that you do in an, in a, mm-hmm. you know, an area that you want to develop in, um, you know, you have to stick with it. And I think, obviously, as you said, you've been uh, – you guys have sort of partnered up in this – 
uh, on that mm-hmm. aspect for a number of years now. And, you know, if it works, you know, uh, then keep doing it. I want to take yeah. a quick break and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about the Academy of Golf Art. My very special guest, Linda Harto, is uh, joining me and we're going to come back here in just a moment after this quick message about golf tips. The following ad is sponsored by Golf Tips Magazine. Are you tired of being short off the tee? And what about those three putts? Forget about it. It's time you got serious about your game. Golf Tips, the most in-depth magazine in the industry. For over 30 years, Golf Tips has delivered expert content such as the latest golf instruction from America's top pros, simple-to-follow practice and game improvement drills, fitness and mental game tips, equipment, training aids, accessory and apparel reviews, golf destinations and travel tips for every budget, and so much more. Don't miss a single issue. Go to GolfTipsMag.com and subscribe today. All right. I'm joined this evening by uh, my very special guest, uh, world-renowned golf uh, landscape painter and artist, Linda Harto. Uh, We've been talking in the uh, first half of the uh, segment uh, about her, a little bit about her background and some of the uh, different pieces of art that she's worked on and just her her journey, if you will. And now we're going to talk about something else that she's uh, been involved with. In fact, she was the uh, was a founding trustee, and that is the Academy of Golf Art. Um, so, Linda, let's talk about that. Um, okay. Why did you want to develop that, and what is its overall mission? Let's start there. Well, for one thing uh... – being a fine artist, uh, you know, I came from the Art Institute of Chicago, and when I switched to golf art, it was like I disappeared, basically, from the art world. Because <laughs> the art world really didn't acknowledge golf art as a viable genre. So that was part of the purpose, was just to attract, you know, fine artists to create images of golf and connect with people that wanted to collect uh, fine art with golf themes. So early in the 2000s, Golf Digest put on these art shows at Pinehurst, and for the first time, a lot of us had met together for these shows, and we got together and we decided we really needed to make an organization, you know, uh, to help do some of these things that we wanted to do, like have good fine art art shows of golf. And it just, there was just no organization that was doing that. And there was no way to, uh, you know, have that sort of thing. So that's, basically why we formed the academy and you you mentioned that obviously you wanted to you know get it out there not just the art itself but the awareness and and create an awareness that this is something viable to contribute to um golf in general uh there's some other uh besides yourself some other artists involved um Mm -hmm. are they all landscape uh, artists, or they do other areas of. Um, well, some are uh, portraits and you know, figurative, well. and yeah, anything to do with the subject of golf. Basically, it could be still life, it could be anything abstract. Uh, basically, we were trying to provide a um, a platform for fine artists to actually do golf art because there's an awful lot of artists out there that like golf but they have no place to show or exhibit because you know they're what they do normally maybe not is golf 100 percent like there aren't many of us that do nothing but golf art (laughs) right a, a lot of people just would like to do it but they don't have a um place to show it or any way to connect to the people that might want to buy it or exhibit it. Right. So that, that and, was and kind of the, yeah, that was the purpose. 
Right. And also it was just to make the art world a little more aware because I think, well, I know when I first started back, oh gosh, in in the 80s, I went to a PGA show in 1988. That was my first one I went to. And there was no art there. <laughs> there right. was very little, and what was there was poor quality, terribly printed. It's what I would call souvenir art, you know, very cheap. Right. And I thought, wow, you know, I just thought, wow, what an opportunity that nobody is doing this. So that's mm-hmm. that was my bright idea. <laughs> <laughs> to get into it and what? try to do that. I just didn't realize at the time that I was going to have to do it all. <laughs> I was going to have to publish. I was going to have to sell. I was going to have to develop markets because there was none of that then. It just wasn't there. Well, you know, as the old saying goes, um, you know, we, we all need a pioneer uh, to get the the movement going, if you will. So we we thank you for that. But no, you're you're exactly right in in in, in your analogy here. Is is that again, um, you know, obviously people are, are well aware of the arts and and a lot of uh, other uh, genres within the arts. And that, but obviously, again, I'm sure in the earlier days that golf was not really sort of um, uh, appreciated to the same degree. But obviously, you guys. Uh, were persistent and and mm-hmm. spreading the word and getting information, and uh, and obviously you have uh, as you said a number of artists that are involved, um, and you're actually uh, very open. The AGA, which we'll call it for short, but that's the Agata- mm-hmm. Academy of Golf Art, uh, are accepting new artist members. So, uh, if mm-hmm. somebody that's out there that you know wants to contribute, wants to be a part of this, um, what do they need to do? What's the process? How do they go about doing that? Uh, just going to the website and uh, making a contact, basically, and then we, we get back to them. Uh, it's academyofgolfart.org or .com, either one. And they, they okay, So they just, can just go and read there's, Yeah, right. there's, there's uh, contact numbers there. So they can uh, okay, good. start. That's usually how we get contacted. We don't, we don't go out and solicit. You know, much. Right. <laughs> if if they're interested, right. you know, then great. Unfortunately, with with today's COVID and everything else, it's it's there's just not much going on. We've had shows at museums even, mm-hmm. but uh, we just don't have anything scheduled right now. So. Well, I know, and I want to get you to talk a little bit about this. Right, exactly, and and we'll we'll touch on that too. Um, in, in 2018, you had uh, a very successful exhibition at the Morris mm-hmm. Museum of Art in Augusta, Georgia, uh, right. during the 2018 Masters uh, and that. Talk a little bit about that. Um, what, uh, what took place? What was, was mm-hmm. this um, a, a number of exhibitors that were there, or was it just yourself and maybe one or two others? Well, it was just the Academy member show. So each okay. each member submitted several pieces, and the Morris Museum mounted the show, and it was up for several months. So it was really, really very nice. I've had shows there as well, and they've done they've done quite a lot to try to further golf art too. And I'm a good friends with the director there now because I've been badgering them for years. <laughs> <laughs> You yeah. know, like here you are it's in Augusta. All, yeah. <laughs> Hello, <laughs> you need to do well, something with golf. Nice. <laughs> yeah, it's always nice to make uh, friends with the director of the museum. Right. Uh, yeah, to get that. Now, this took place. It, it, just help me to understand. So, this took place beginning uh, at the Masters, then obviously it went on because you said it went on for for a little bit. Um, so yeah. did it start at the beginning of the Masters and then carry on for you know a couple of months or what have you, or or did it start much before the Masters or after? How it was did it work? A, it was, a, I think, a few weeks before the Masters. So it was just make sure it was up during the Masters for people that were in Augusta. Because so, a lot of people, you know, all these people in Augusta, they can't be at the course all the time, so they're looking for things to do and... and uh, 
the Morris Museum was advertising this show, so it really brought a lot of people in. And normally during now, the Masters, the museum is dead quiet, so they were thrilled. <laughs> <laughs> now, is this was this something that you just did in 2018, and have you mm-hmm. uh, you know spoken to now your friend, the director, about doing mm-hmm. you know maybe another show, or have you done other oh, shows yeah, as well yeah. at the same? We have a lot of plans, is it an, <laughs> but they all require is it money. An, is it, <laughs> right, right. Of course. Um, yeah, but this uh, is something that you want to move forward. Yeah, the, the Morris Museum is uh, planning a big expansion, too, which would sort of give the Academy a home if if they could mount their you know, expansion. But right now, because of COVID and all these other things, it's just they've had to set that back time-wise, you know, it's just yeah, yeah. hard to go out and fundraise now, when you can't even have people together. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's been it's been very challenging, of, of course, for mm-hmm. a, a lot of um, not just businesses, but organizations such as yourself. Um, yeah. And, and I forgot to mention this in the beginning, but obviously the Academy of Golf Art is, is a nonprofit, so um, you mm-hmm. rely on on funding and things like that to to be able to do a lot of right. these things. I also see, yeah, I also see here too, uh, and I wanted to get uh, your thoughts here. Um, for this year, you had planned uh, an AGA exhibition uh, at the um, 2021 National Meeting of the Golf Heritage Society. Is that right. uh, still hoping to happen, or when when is that supposed to be scheduled? Uh, uh, it's supposed or, to be late been, September. Yeah, okay. but it, it's just up in the air right now. They're hoping to have it. It got canceled last year. We were all supposed to go there. <laughs> but it, that's, you know, what happened then. <laughs> so they're they're trying right. to reschedule that. But, again, nobody really knows what, what's gonna, what it's going to be like then as far as people getting together at a large event, you know. It's just totally up in the air. Yeah, it, it it makes for a lot of challenges. I know with the mm-hmm. you know, for example, the tournament events have struggled with the same thing. I mean, last year, yeah. you know, they had mm-hmm. no fans, very very limited, uh, you know, if any media. I know we've with the shows we've done a lot of, um, you know, we've had the pleasure of of interviewing some winners from from various tournaments on the Symmetra Tour, and uh, last year it was very sketchy because part of their yeah. season was just. You know, not happening. So, uh, trust me when I say I appreciate where you're coming from. It can be uh, very, very yeah. challenging. Uh, so, moving forward, let's all things being equal. Moving forward, what mm-hmm. is is, you know, uh, assuming that we we come out of this sooner than later, what's sort of the agenda, if you will, of the academy moving forward? What mm-hmm. do you want to see happen? Um, how do you want it to to grow? And um, what other well, areas, if any, are you planning on expanding it? Well, uh, my vision uh, is with the help of the Morris Museum uh, or some sponsoring body is is to really develop it into a either annual or semi-annual uh, show, juried show, that would be open to whoever wanted to jury in. And that it would grow into an event, uh, sort of like Cowboy Artists. Do you know what right. that is? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a huge yes. event. <laughs> and so that's my ultimate vision of it, plus having a home gallery where you had shows of different artists or prints for sale or whatever, you know, just specializing in the genre. What about at some of you know beginning at some of the larger events like the the majors as an example? Is that mm-hmm. something? I mean, obviously you know you did it around the time of the Masters uh, back in 2018, but is that something that mm-hmm. you know you you are sort of considering or or envisioning as well at you know maybe future U.S. Opens, future uh, you know Open Championships, so on and so forth, of yeah. having that tagged on to large events like that initially and then maybe expanding beyond that. Is that something that you uh, have, have discussed and thought about yeah. uh, doing? Because I think yeah, that would be great. Yeah, we've talked about you know, it. Because but, but the problem with that is 
you know, the U.S. opens at a different course every year. And I know myself, having gone to 25 (laughs) of them, (laughs) that people generally don't go to another venue during those big tournaments. You know what I'm saying? It's like they're all concentrated on that course. So if it isn't on course, it's likely not to attract a whole lot of attention. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's what I was getting at is mm-hmm. what about on course? Like if you had, you know, because obviously they yeah. have corporate tent. I mean, and again, we're going to leave COVID to the side for a second because we understand the challenges right now. But at some point, right. you know, in the near future, we hope that things are going to get back to somewhat of a normalcy. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about so much an offsite. I'm talking about on course. I mean, because I would think, to be yeah. honest, that would be from a, a – Again, whether it be a U.S. Open or an Open or or other uh, major mm-hmm. event, the PGA Championship, you know, to have art displayed on course, I think would that be would very good. I mean, they've got corporate tents and things. You know, I think that would be something that that would, that um, would require very big sponsorship. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's what we listen, don't have. <laughs> Listen, the golfing world has deep pockets, I'm sure, and with the PGA mm-hmm. Tour and that, they can they can break the bank a little bit. But no, I I understand what you're talking about, and yeah, it, it's everything. I mean, everything takes money in that. But uh, mm-hmm. you know, I I look at it this way. I think, you know, when you go to a golf course, obviously you want to see the tournament. But you know, one of the interesting things, you know, while you're walking around and and from hole to hole, and you know, you want to take a break, and sometimes it's nice to have something yeah. to do, and not oh, everybody, you know, not everybody yeah. gets invited. Yeah, gets invited into the corporate tent. So, you know, I think that would be a great addition. Well, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, you know, the corporate bringing their clients and that, but the average Joe public, you know, uh, would be interested in seeing that. So I think that's something that. I um, think you're absolutely right. And I have talked to the USGA about that in the past, and they like the idea, but they know how much it would cost. And that's. Well, I. Yeah, I think that um, I, I think that there's ways to, you know, just to, to sort of motivate um, some of the the larger governing bodies and that. We'll have to work on them, but um, yeah. So and that's the nice thing about Augusta is the fact that once a year, there everybody in golf is going to be in one spot, and they right, do move around right. the city. It isn't like you know, there's many receptions and all kinds of things go on in Augusta that don't go on at other tournaments, mainly because it's a different venue every year. But when it's the same place every year, you know, it, it becomes a tradition, all these different events that go on around the tournament. Right. Yeah, and that's I, the and, only and, tournament and can... I've been to that has that. Yeah, and and I and again they have certainly an advantage with the Masters because it is held at the same venue every year unlike mm-hmm. the US Open and, and the Open Championship and even the PGA. Um mm-hmm. so yeah, logistically it's it's a a different beast if you will, but you know, I I just I look at it this way. I think you know, there's a lot of different things and it's an ever-changing world and I think you you know, from a golf perspective, you know, you always have to find ways of of you know, yeah. opening people's eyes and the thing. It's just like you said, you know, back, you know, several years ago when you started the academy, you know, it was it was something that was really not really thought a lot about in the general public, but you and you and the rest of the you know, the, the group at the academy have over the last, you know, couple of decades or so have sort of mm-hmm. opened some eyes as to, hey, what's really going on? And obviously you've caught in the attention of uh, you know, some big players, Nicholas to be one and Ray Floyd and, mm-hmm. and I'm sure others yep. as well. So obviously they recognize the, the beauty of what you're doing. So I think it's just a, a matter of uh, nudging a few more elbows and just saying this is something <laughs> I think we need to, uh, you know, to uh, reflect on the history of the game and, and, um, yeah, and I'm not uh, really, bring it to. Uh, really good at that sort of thing, but I, you know, I do the best I can with the people that I know, but I'm not like one that goes running around to everybody and right. giving them a, you know, I just, that's just not me. <laughs> I have the well, ideas, but someone else needs to do all that, not me. <laughs> I got enough to do. Yeah, you need, you need, 
you need to, yeah, exactly. You need a good uh, a good onboard salesman to get out there and, and start doing mm-hmm. it. I agree. Well, you know, Linda, it, it's very interesting your your story because, you know, as I said in the beginning, um, obviously you, you you wear many hats, as it were, but. Mm-hmm. You know, to be able to go through the creative process and the preparation needed to do this um, takes a lot. It's not just the the actual raw talent of producing the finished product, but it's what goes into it. And that that's not something every you know. There's a lot of uh, you know artists out there who you know, as I said, throw the canvas up and they paint, and and it's certainly you know a beautiful uh, rendition at the end of 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 their doing. But Mm -hmm. there's a lot of them don't do the same preparation and no. um, and to the extent that, that you do. And obviously it shows in the body of work. Um, so, I, um, you know, kudos to you for for putting that much effort into to doing that. And, that, and it shows, as I said, in the, in the finished product. So um, yeah. I think it's oh, great. Just, yeah, it's the way. It's just the way I work, though, with any painting. I always have, really. <laughs> but but I just brought all that to golf, basically. When did you know, um, just to go back to to the art for a second, when did you Mm -hmm. know, not so much the golf, but just when did it become apparent to you that you had a talent for this? I'd say probably when I was about six. (laughs) I was uh, always drawing and painting and doing things and, I guess I became aware that not everybody did that when I was about six, and it suddenly realized that I was an artist, and that's what I did. So that was pretty much the way I my whole life has gone since then. Everything was all decisions were made around that realization from then on, and it really guided my whole life. If you had the ear of a younger person who maybe has some talent, um, uh-huh. regardless of level, what advice would you give them based on what you know today of yourself mm-hmm. and what it took to get to where you are? What would you advise them to do um, besides a lot of pain. whatever they're doing? <laughs> <laughs> they they have to work really hard and produce a lot of work. I, you just have to produce work and have some kind of vision about maybe where you want to be or what you want to do. Uh, I don't know. I think it's just hard work. I mean, I know that's not what most people want to hear, but <laughs> it's... <laughs> basically what it is. <laughs> the more hours you spend at it, the better you get. <laughs> Do you think, um, and, and I'm sure you would attest to this, um, you know, some people have a very natural talent, but maybe it needs a little bit refined. Do you recommend mm-hmm. that somebody to kind of just go with their natural talent or should they get a little bit more, uh, and I hate to use the word training, but maybe go to an art mm-hmm. school or something or or not? Is that something that you would strongly recommend if if it's within their wheelhouse to do that, or, yeah, or just expand so. on their natural talents? I, I think so. I mean, I went to three different schools, so uh, and even when I was in grade school and high school, there were a lot of uh, other programs that were available. Museum schools. There's there's just so much out there that you just have to. You have to look for it, kind of, or be guided by where you are. Like if you're in uh, school, just like grade school or whatever, you know, your teachers should know how to encourage you, really. I mean, I was, certainly, when I grew up. Um, They helped a lot and encouraged but I did go to art school. I went to university. I went to um, a summer school, Skowhegan School of Painting and Drawing, and those were wonderful experiences. And then I went to the Art Institute of Chicago and stayed there for in Chicago after I graduated and just worked, you know, learned how to paint things that people wanted to buy, basically. I wanted to make a living from it. <laughs> I mean, you know, I was determined I wasn't going to be doing something else. I was going to be painting one way or the other. 
And uh, I did. I painted landscapes and all kinds of scenes and sold them at the art fairs and made a good living doing that. And, uh, yeah, well, it's just hard work. Well, I, I'm a firm yeah, I, I I couldn't agree more. I'm a firm believer. I think that when you are passionate about something, mm-hmm. um, it really doesn't feel like work. Um, and I know that's kind of a cliche that you hear people say, but it's true. I think when you yeah. really love something and you're passionate about them, uh, about that particular thing, um, mm-hmm. you know, you you tend to be willing to put you know your whole soul, if you will, into to doing that. And it's very apparent, um, Linda, in your work. Uh, that you've done just that. And I'm going to, just before I let you go, I'm going to let everybody know now that the show is, is coming to a close here, where they can go to not only check out your artwork, but if they want to learn more about the Academy as well. So here's the website. Uh, if you want to uh, mm-hmm. check out uh, Linda's work, is go to Harto, and it's H-A-R-T-O-U-G-H dot com. And you can see not only some of her finished work, but uh, in-progress work as well. You can see that on there mm-hmm. to kind of gauge uh, how the process works. So again, go to H A R T O U G H. That's Harto, as uh, how it's pronounced. dot com. And then, obviously, mm-hmm. if you want to get more information, whether you're just want to kind of snoop around the site, or whether you're an artist yourself and maybe want to get information about it, uh, about the academy, and want to reach mm-hmm. out to somebody there uh, to find out how to become uh, involved uh, with the Academy of Golf Art, go to the Academy of Golf Art. dot org uh, and check that out as well. Linda, I want to thank you very much. For joining, also, uh, I, I wanted to say um, that if you sign up for the newsletter on my website, we run a lot of different guess the winner contests uh, or drawings on the, you know, different tournaments, which is kind of fun. Sometimes I give away limited mm-hmm. edition prints or open edition, depending. But it, it really engages everybody to uh, try to, you know, give their picks and see if they win a print. <laughs> so I think that's a great idea. The, you need to sign up for the newsletter. <laughs> okay, well, go to harto.com. Again, it's H-A-R-T-O-U-G-H.com. Mm-hmm. And while you're snooping around, take a moment and sign up for the newsletter as well and get a chance to maybe get a limited print, um, right. if you guess right. So I think that's a great idea. Well, Linda, thank you very much, um, doubly so, for joining. Cindy and I, yeah, Tuesday, we had a great uh, mm-hmm. discussion then. We appreciate you giving of your time and then spending a little bit more time with, he, uh, with me this evening here on Golf Talk Live. Um, I hope you will come back again and we'll talk some more oh, in a future to. show. And uh, I want to wish you much continued success and uh, hopefully things will open up enough and I might put a bug in a few people's ears at some of the events and and uh, and in the golf world and say, hey, this is something we need to grapple onto. So I might be, uh, be you great. know, I might be that salesman you need. So I, I might put the word out there well, for you. We could you. make you executive director. We could make you executive director of the academy, and then you could really go for it. <laughs> I I might take you up on that. We'll we'll talk about that for sure. Uh, but Linda, thank you very much uh, again for for spending time with me tonight uh, and on sure. Tuesday as well. Uh, Cindy and I both uh, enjoyed that, and again, well, much continued success. Uh, I appreciate it. Um, have a great weekend. Stay safe, All right. and uh, I look forward to you joining me again in a future show. All right. Thanks so much. Bye bye. You're very welcome, Linda. Bye bye. All right. It was my very special guest, Linda Harto. Uh, go to harto.com to check out some of her uh, body of work. There's just some incredible, incredible uh, images of, of some of the paintings that she's done. Of course, that's in digital form uh, on the site, but uh, you'll get uh, the gist of just how beautiful these portraits are. And then, of course, you want to visit um, the academyofgolfart.org, uh, where she, of course, was one of the founding trustees of the Academy. And that's really where a lot of other artists as well share uh, their body of work, so you might want to check that out as well. And maybe if you're an up-and-coming uh, uh, landscape artist or somebody that really appreciates the beauty of, of golf and, and uh, you are uh, want to display that, that may be uh, an avenue for you. So go to academyofgolfart.org. All right, I want to thank everybody once again for joining me tonight on Golf Talk Live. It's been a pleasure. I will be back next Thursday, March the 4th, uh, with our full broadcast uh, with uh, Coach's Corner uh, starting things off at 6 uh, p.m. Central, uh, going on for an hour, and then at 7 p.m. Central, 
will be my uh, special featured guest next week. So back to full season next week. God bless everybody. Stay safe. And um, thank you for joining me tonight on Golf Talk Live. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this week's broadcast of Golf Talk Live. Ted would like to thank this evening's special guest for joining him on the show. Remember to join Ted every Thursday from 6 to 8 p.m. Central on Golf Talk Live. You can also listen to Golf Talk Live on any of these social media platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, TalkStream Live, and of course Spotify. Be sure to follow Ted on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you're interested in being a guest on the show, send an email to ted at ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.